to Anime Death Spiral, the only anime podcast that has to sit down and really think about the choices in their life. Surely the only one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I am Nate. I am here as always with Remy. And uh, this week, I did not watch an anime, I am ashamed to say. What? I know, I know. In fact, it's worse than that. Um, I watched a movie, a live-action movie. Uh, and it's even worse than that because I only watched half of it so far. Jesus Christ. I mean, on one hand, at least, you know, you imbibed media of some kind. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I I imbibed, I imbibed media of many <laughs> kinds. I just don't think it's worth talking about here. Okay, thank God. As long as you're getting your, you know, your daily dose to keep the thoughts at bay. No, no, uh, I think uh, you you well know that I've been dipping into that cyberpunk update. Yes. Uh, as well have you. Of course. Yes, I have too. To my great shame. I, I really wish I hadn't, but, you know, here we are. Here we are. We've all made choices, like you said. Yeah. Um, you know, but on the, on the other hand, I have to say, like, am I really the, like, the only person left who has, like, any reverence for cinema? For the film, the film. Oh uh, well, I just got uh, I just got finished watching half a movie on my cell phone. Yeah, this is like really upsetting <laughs> to me. Just the idea alone of watching half a movie and then stopping is like crazy to me. But like everyone I know now like watches stuff with subtitles on. Oh uh, well, guilty is charged. Yes, which look, I know, I I know the accessibility argument. I get it. I know. Okay, to be fair, the the movie I was watching was in <laughs> Japanese. I needed subtitles. Are you telling me by now, after all the anime and movies you've watched, you can't just simply infer the plot from what people are doing on screen? <laughs> whoa, whoa, do I look like Antonio Banderas in The 13th Warrior? Uh, <laughs> do I have, like, a cool fade sequence where I slowly learn a foreigner's language. You know, I've always confused 13th Warrior with Outlander. Did you ever see that? Uh, wait, isn't Outlander the sexy Scottish time traveler uh, book? Uh, yeah, it's that, it, but it's also this, like, early mid-2000s movie about, like, a space guy uh, accidentally landing on Earth and uh, having to join this Norse village uh, to fight uh a giant space dragon. Does that ring any bells? What? No. What? Okay, okay, check this out. There's like an advanced civilization of humans that left Earth like a million years ago. Okay. And one of them is chasing a space dragon. And he chases it to Earth where he crash lands, like loses his ship and all of his weapons and stuff. Nothing good happens when you chase the dragon. Yeah. The, the last thing he manages to get off his ship is like this translation machine that shoots a bunch of language into his eyeball uh which is the beginning and the end of interesting sci-fi ideas in this movie <laughs> uh <laughs> then he gets captured by this norse village and he tells them that there's a dragon and he's hunting the dragon and they all laugh at him and then a big fucking dragon shows up but it's like a sci-fi dragon so it's like made out of all kinds of weird colors and it doesn't have eyes and it has uh, a mouth with four jaws that kind of thing you know sure sure uh and the norsemen are like we love me a trippy sci-fi dragon yeah yeah it's it's the dragon's pretty cool i don't want to i don't want to rag on the dragon it has like optical camo too which is pretty nice touch and it so it, it like when it sees humans it hypnotizes them with like flashy colors which again 
great idea. Love that. Yeah. Very cool. But it doesn't need to do that because it seems to be extraordinarily strong and powerful and fast and it can eat like a human being in one gulp. So I don't know why it needs these defense mechanisms. Anyway, he bonds with the Norse village and he kind of gets he's sort of an anarcho primitivist in that way. He like kind of connects to the basic nature of humanity again after being a space guy for so long. Uh, yes. Return to monkey. Yeah, and then they do the thing from uh, the the Christian Bale dragon movie. Uh, Rain of Fire? Rain of Fire. Oh, love Rain of Fire. And they First basically... of all, it's I'm insulted that you don't describe that as the Matthew McConaughey dragon movie. Was it not Christian Bale? They were both in there, baby. Matthew was in there too? Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale together, one spot, fighting dragons with axes. <laughs> forsooth, forsooth, forsooth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, they do the thing from that and they like very pluckily DIY the dragon into like a spike pit. And mm -hmm. everybody celebrates and a spaceship is coming down finally to pick his ass up. And he's like, I don't want to go. I'm a Norse guy now. And he marries the daughter of a king. Sure. As you do. It's very cool. Yeah. And also it turns out that the main guy is the guy from Sound of Freedom, that fucking pedo movie that came out recently. Oh, wait. Uh, are you talking about... <laughs> it's Jim Caviezel. You're talking about Jesus, baby. I'm talking about Jim Caviezel, baby. Oh, man. Can I tell you something fucked up? About Jim? I went to Catholic... Well, well uh, tangentially about Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I went to Catholic school, uh, as you know. Yeah. Uh, in middle school. And for, this is where uh, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and for a classmate's, um, like, 13th birthday, his stepmom took our entire class to go see Passion of the Christ as, like, sixth graders. That is out of line. <laughs> right? Isn't yeah. that wild? If, if I didn't even know that was going to happen. I just thought I was going over to his house for a birthday party. And then they all said we were going to a movie. And then we went to fucking Passion of the Christ. Yeah, you really got tricked there. That is. That I didn't is... even tell my parents because I was embarrassed about it. Well, they would have been like, it's probably you can get extra credit from your Catholic school for <laughs> going and seeing the movie. In fact, you know, the, probably your local church probably bought a bunch of like free tickets and gave them away. <sighs> that movie was fucked up. You know, anyway, that's my Jim Caviezel story. Just so not interested in Jesus Christ, unless he's in anime form. And then I am like locked in, locked in, baby. You know, I already told you, but he shows up in Record of Ragnarok, right? I've said, I said, oh, you oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, it's listen, great. the only two versions of Jesus that I like are anime version and superstar version. Yeah, yeah. I'm also really into this new emerging guns Jesus. I think he's a cool character. <laughs> Gun Jesus. Uh, people are. Yeah, you know, people are portraying him and like ironically to be like shit on modern Christians in this country for like worshiping guns or whatever. But like every time oh, they wait, draw him, is this an actual thing? I thought you're yeah. making a joke at the at the John Wick movies. No, no, absolutely not. He's like a thing that liberals do, you know, to make the conservative hypocrisy about being Christian and also pro gut. So they draw like Jesus and he's like shooting Uzis and shit. Oh sure, but that's actually cool. That's awesome. That Jesus kicks ass. That's a fucking cool ass Jesus. Anyway, what? Uh, uh, what? Fuck, what? what oh, were you oh talking right. About Jim Caviezel. I was saying that nobody has reverence for the cinema anymore because uh, in my movie experience is like optimally 
as alone, as dark, and as quiet, and as big a screen as possible. The David Lynch method. Yeah, and if I can't get that, I do everything in my power to, like, approximate it. But, like, I feel I feel like I am the dunce now. Like, I am the odd man out, because people don't seem to give a shit about that anymore. Yeah, okay, well, this would—I was watching this film on my phone out of convenience. I was watching it on my lunch break at work. Uh, Makes I, my eye I, twitch to hear that. <laughs> I know. Uh, to be fair, I do have like a pretty sweet movie setup in my home. You've seen it. It's not alleged I have actually witnessed this setup, uh, which kind of makes it worse. I got to be honest. Well, I couldn't just go set up <laughs> no. the theater uh, for a 45 minute lunch break. OK, give me give me a break here. <laughs> yeah. OK. Anyway, uh, uh, can I tell you? Can I tell you about this movie that you very obviously want to talk about because you told me to watch it over and over again? Well, yeah, of course, for your spiritual awakening um, to the the works of Takashi Miike, you watched Ichi the Killer, as did I. Yep, good old Takashi Mike. Well, I, you know what? I can't say you watched it. You've glanced at half of it from the corner of your eye while you were working. That doesn't earn <laughs> the a optimal, watch. The optimal film viewing experience for someone in my age group. <laughs> if you told me you were watching two more movies on your main screen, like then we're in business. Then we could talk about <laughs> movies. Yeah, no, I was playing I was playing the Cyberpunk DLC with the sound off and watching it on my phone propped up on my desk in front of me while <laughs> I had a Spotify playing in the background. It's called multitasking. Get with it. Yeah. It's a type A personality thing. I just it's hard to talk about each of the killer without seeing the ending because like it really does retroactively color everything in the movie it's one of those kinds of endings and uh i i i get what you're saying i mean uh, obviously i don't know the ending yet but i think that you want to guess do i want to well okay well i think we should start off with Let's talk about the movie and then you can guess here's here's my thought uh first thing very first thing that i i did not know opening salvo about well okay well first thing in the movie that i i thought was very funny was that it starts off with these three kind of like mob uh cleaner dudes who go in and you know clean up a hit scene afterwards uh and they go into this apartment and it's just covered in blood and guts and gore and they uh right off the bat we're doing like a three stooges pratfall uh into uh dead bodies intestines yeah. And they're talking about how much they fucking hate work and uh, and smoking a cigarette while covered in blood. Yes, it's very Raimi-esque. Yeah. But what I was going to say is, uh, so each of the killer, obviously I've heard it thrown around in a lot of foreign horror or foreign action listicles online. <laughs> uh, definitely uh, always tops like the best Japanese movies you should see kind of lists, right? Yes. And though, hold on, hold on. I do have to interject with the official show policy, which is all of those lists are wrong and we're the only ones you should listen to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that goes without saying. Every single recommendation list is bullshit except ours. Okay. I just want to yes. make that clear. Okay. Continue. That's a hardline rule. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Anyway, um, I did not realize that the guy on the poster was not Ichi the killer. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little confusing. I get it. I get it. Uh, but if you know what Ichi means, it becomes immediately clear upon seeing the costuming. Yes. Well, okay. So Ichi <laughs> means number one, 
the first, uh, number one rank Holy in Japanese. Holy shit, this guy knows Japanese. No, I know one word. Okay, okay, he knows one word. Uh, and, I know one word, and, it's Ningen. I said that last time, but that's, yeah. that's my one word. Oh shit, I know two words, never mind. Damn, he's learning at an incredible rate. <laughs> Maybe I am going to have my Antonio Banderas <laughs> moment. Uh, uh, it's funny, it is a funny call to put a different character on a poster that has the character's name on it. It is very funny. Yeah. I always assumed that that was the titular character, um, but that is actually, uh, I mean, he is the main character of the, of the story. Yeah. Uh, Everything's kind of centered around his perspective. He's essentially, he is a, an enforcer, kind of like a a muscle guy, a top rank muscle guy for, for this Yakuza gang. He's a goon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's the goon. He's, he's the, the goon. fucking guy. Yeah, uh, Kakihara is his name. Yeah, actually, the other guy is more of a goon. We have a pair of the mafia guys, and one of them's a goon, and the other one's a fucking named uh, boss character. Exactly. That is a great yeah. way to explain him. Yeah, uh, he has a fucking health bar <laughs> associated he has, he with has him. Two health bars and a skull. Two health bars, and they're different colors. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's dope as hell, man. The the makeup effects, because he's all scarred up on his face. He has all kinds of fucked up shit on his face. And the makeup, it goes it's really hard. It's crazy that uh, th- that for the makeup, they had the prescience to reference Chainsaw Man so far before it came out. <laughs> I know. That's called foresight. That's another thing. Like, Takashi Mika is on it. Like, he can see oh, yeah. the next 20 years of cinema so clearly from 2001. <laughs> But uh, the story seems to be like he's trying to find his missing boss. His boss has gone missing. Uh, he and his like immediate subordinate group have been kicked out of the Yakuza because uh, someone pointed the finger at them for basically trying to, to murder his boss and, and get ahead. And so we kind of have that story. And then tangentially, we have the actual story of Ichi, the killer, the titular Ichi the Killer, mm-hmm. who is like this, you know, shut in, kind of very meek, socially anxious <laughs> dude who has big trauma. Big trauma. From this time in high school where uh, he essentially witnessed one of his class, his uh, female classmates getting very graphically assaulted uh, because she was trying to defend him from some bullies. And and that has done fucked that boy up. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is what makes talking about a movie you've half seen very difficult because uh, I know that goes some places. I'm I'm imagining that it does, but <laughs> I mean that's the extent basically of of where I'm at in the story right now. We have uh, Kakiara trying to track down uh, his boss and and what may have happened to him. And that seems to be drawing slowly closer and closer to the crossover of Ichi's story. I mean, he's like a peeping Tom. That's kind of like his thing. And he's been peeping on his downstairs neighbor uh, who is in an abusive, oh, who is a sex worker who's in an abusive relationship with her pimp who who beats her up every night. Uh, and, and he watches in on them until finally... Uh, she asks him to to kill her boyfriend, at which point he devises a suit um, uh, uh, that has, like, blades built in to it. 
No, he he's he's had that for a long time. Okay, I I guess that was really he made has clear. Been, he has been Ichi. He has been Ichi for a long time before the movie starts. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Oh, he's, interesting. He's Ichi when he's standing in the bushes jerking off. He's already Ichi the killer. Oh shit! I I didn't realize that. Interesting. Well, we could talk about the first half of the movie, I guess. Uh, well, I, yeah, we can. This is actually. We're soft launching our new podcast, which is we watch half a movie and then talk about it. (laughs) Purely designed to infuriate anyone who's actually seen it. (laughs) But uh, we can't talk about at least the uh, opening credit sequence, which is the most uh, inventive use of cum on screen for at least the last 20 years i have to say i'm sorry it, what 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 did you say you know when a man jerks off sometimes opening credit sequences come out <laughs> uh, your parents didn't tell you about this <laughs> no i i missed that part of the birds and the bees conversation yeah yeah well i'm glad i'm here for you <laughs> no i was uh i was absolutely blown away by by that specific imagery it's incredible it's very, very funny. Well, it's so much. I mean, it, I, I think I feel like I'm qualified at least to talk about this. This movie looks fucking cool. It's got charisma out the ass. Uh, costuming is on point, especially with Kakihara in his outfit. Yes. Anyway, this film, yes, it, it looks incredible uh, for 2001. It's so easy to forget this is like more than 20 years old because it has like such an amazing look. It's so tight. It's so cool. And everything that they do that is, uh, let's say, uh, special effects-y still mm-hmm. looks good. Like, even when well, you can okay. see the seams, it still looks good, which is great. So here's what popped out to me when I was watching it. Um, I recognize so much, like, visual stuff that I associate with all of these Western directors from that era. Yeah. And it becomes so obvious that like this is the guy they all ripped off, right? Cuz I see I see Tarantino, I see Edgar Wright, uh I see uh so much in there. Um, you know, I uh Peter Jackson. Uh you know, you b- before we started this, you asked me, uh, you know, uh, you like you haven't seen a gross movie in a while. And I said, apparently not, because I was <laughs> yeah. having such a visceral reaction to the opening scene in Ichi the Killer. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But I take that back because I actually I just rewatched um, Dead Alive a couple days ago. And that is absolutely a gross movie. But for some reason, the fantasy aspect in that one makes it so much easier to accept than what I was seeing uh, during the scene where he's uh, torturing the rival Yaku- Yakuza boss with the with the tempura oil. Yep, yep. That was really fucking hard to get through. <laughs> that is the thing. It's like I, it doesn't even occupy like the same arena to me because we don't have any characters jerking off uh, <laughs> to like a woman being raped in Dead Alive uh, or the similar <laughs> Splatterfest shit. We just do not have the same uh, level of intensity. Yeah. Well, yeah, yes. I mean, that was... um, uh, I guess we should lay down, like, uh, Ichi is not a great person. Uh, Let's let's start off with that. In Takashi Miike movies, there aren't really, like, good people. That's wrong, because (laughs) Takashi Miike... 
I know directed the Diamond is Unbreakable movie and Josuke is a 100% good person. Yeah, but he's also a delinquent and like there's not really that many bad dudes in JoJo. <laughs> he does turn that guy into a rock, which is pretty fucked up. That's not a good guy stuff. No, no, that is pretty messed up. <laughs> Now, what's interesting, I think, for our perspective is, like, neither of us have read the comic. Well, that's why it was on the list in the first place, because it is an adaptation of a manga. Yes, and which which we neither of us have had any contact with. I haven't read it, but I did notice one change uh, that I think is, like, a super positive one, if I'll say. Um, that the character of Kakihara uh, in the manga does not have bleach blonde hair. And he does in the movie, and it fucking rules. Yeah, it's hard to think of that character without that that angle. It, That's, like, so iconic. He has a really, really great look. Like, they absolutely killed it. But the thing that made me interested in this wasn't the bleached hair, which is uh, admittedly a big draw. It was, uh, as I... Did I say this last episode? But it is the, it is the kick-ass connection. It is the, yes. the Mark Miller kick-ass connection here. God, I fucking hate Mark Miller. Because even before the kick-ass movie came out, uh, Ichi the Killer, without even trying, is a complete and utter refutation of everything Mark Miller says in kick-ass. <laughs> kick-ass being the story of uh, basically like, what if a school shooter was justified? Like, that's, that's kind of what Mark Miller was going for. Oh, that. That is a perspective that I had not considered, but uh, yeah, it, it fits. It is. What is the story of Kick-Ass, Nate? Uh, well, okay, well, the story of Kick-Ass, on the surface, you know, the selling point is, you know, uh, what if superheroes were real? Like, what if Batman was real, right? Not superheroes that have superpowers, but like, what if there were masked vigilantes? What if vigilantes um, happened? Yeah, which, all I mean has happened in real life unfortunately um, yeah yeah unfortunately but yes it, it basically what if this bullied nerd at school decided to put on a mask and grab a pipe and just beat up the people that he had grievances with yeah uh, and which not yes is essentially a, a school shooter yeah not just his bullies though like just people in general. I mean, I guess his target is bad. And the justification people, but... is that he is a vigilante. He goes out in his costume with his uh, batons. His tonfa. Yeah, and he tries to stop <laughs> crime. So, you know, it goes exactly like you imagine. The first few times he, like, tries to stop a robbery or, you know, a home invasion, he gets his ass kicked, right? And then the whole, you know, story is that uh, one time he gets incredibly lucky and and gets to beat up a criminal, you know, in front of the media. And that kind of starts off this whole trend of mass civilian mass vigilantes. Yeah. Uh, and, and some that had already been operating independently of him, you know, reach out. Uh, and it kind of turns into less of a commentary on why that whole idea is stupid and more into just like a generic like mob story basically he stops a crime that kind of leads him into uh, getting involved with a mafia 
uh, an organized crime, like racketeering ring. Yes, and, and the, now the... we are back in Ichi the Killer. Yeah, exactly. We, are di- we have led directly back into it, being a, a civilian who, for very ambiguous reasons, has decided on doing violence as their main hobby. Uh, and has accidentally backed their way into a mob conflict. Which is the plot of Kick-Ass. We have made the direct connection. And I think that where Kick-Ass falls flat from that point is that it tries to justify uh, the character's motivations, right? Well, it, it in a very broad way, it says our vigilantes are the good guys and these mob guys are the bad guys, Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, yes. that's the simplification. Whereas Ichi the Killer goes, these are all fucked up guys, and they're all weird in their own ways, and none of them are particularly good, but, uh, like, f- like, fuck all of them. Like, they're all violent weirdos. Uh, whereas Kick-Ass is like, some of the violent weirdos are actually, like, justified, and they're cool dudes, and they're doing good work in the society. Well, okay, well, I find that interesting that you bring that up, because that is... If we're going back to like a Western comic comparison, I feel like that fits more in line with the message of Watchmen, right? Yes, it Uh, it really is. Which is is very in your face about how nobody is clean in this scenario. They're all fucked up weirdos that are doing this type of thing for all of the wrong reasons. Yeah, that like the world of violence is itself kind of a bizarre uh, other, other place where, like, there is no such thing as virtue or justice. It's just violence. And that's the that's the arena that somebody like the kid in Kick-Ass or Ichi step into. And you cannot just be a good guy in that space. Well, it's, it's an interesting... That's what Watchmen says. That's what Ichi the Killer says, essentially. Yeah. Well, I think it's an interesting, uh, you know, uh, flip on the ideas presented in stuff like My Hero Academia or one punch man oh yeah where where they take that concept and go the exact opposite way and bake it into like the societal structure of the people in that story yes they it that's one of the funniest things i know this is like it's it's a little pat to be to be cinema sensing something like my hero academia but the fact that they (laughs) in my hero and in a lot of the the caped stuff uh, the cape manga stuff society has easily accepted essentially a parallel police force militarized police force to exist in society uh, with no governmental oversight really uh, no public mm-hmm. no public say that is just a thing that exists and has to be tolerated and it's never well, okay well, hold examined. on when you say public say because i feel like the organizations presented in those works are like like there's a hero association managed by the government like you have to register not in one punch man and uh not in uh my hero academia isn't there but i is that not a government organization or is that a self-governing uh thing that the superheroes do themselves the school of superheroes in my hero academia is just a private academy that like the public are allowed to apply to i was not aware of that that makes the entire (laughs) thing seem much more sinister yeah man yeah it's like uh private uh paramedics essentially it's like that kind of like gray zone right uh, where they're allowed to show up for like uh, public emergencies, but they're not necessarily government employees, you know. Uh-huh. 
Deku is out there uh, essentially doing private health care uh, on people without their consent. Like, that's kind of what he's doing. Um, well, private police care, basically. Yes, yes, exactly. He, I mean, he's a he's a he's a guard. He's a rent a cop. He is. I mean, that's the thing is like these, especially if you consider your your heroes condoned by the by the government or the military or whatever. You are a rent a cop. That is your job in society. It doesn't matter how if you are the hardest puncher in the history of punching. Ultimately, at the end of the day. Uh, you are a rent-a-cop, uh, which is really sad. It's a sad, bleak vision of the world, you know? Well, when you present it like that, it makes the concept of someone like Ichi feel much more uh, self-fulfilling for the character. He's actually having, like, a, in a, a, an immediate effect on his surrounding environment. Yes, but again, this is, like, hard to talk about because of the whole, you haven't seen the end of the movie, but Ichi yeah. doesn't care about what he's doing, actually. He has no interest in justice or, like, taking care of people or putting bad guys down. He's, like, well, he's I got that. really interested I, in I, that. I feel like I got that pretty well because uh, at about the halfway point in the movie where I'm at, when he is shown making his first kill uh, on the abusive pimp boyfriend yeah. of the lady that lives below him, <laughs> yeah. uh, after he kills Kim... Uh, she's like cowering in fear and he's like, Hey, don't be afraid. Uh, I'll be the one to hit you now. And I'm a lot nicer than that guy. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, Whoa, the violence. I, I was not prepared for that. You know, when a man of violence, uh, dispatches another man of violence, what are you left with at the end of the day? Right. I mean, it, it, it makes <laughs> perfect sense that the type of person who, again, would create some kind of armored padded suit with blades attached to the legs and arms uh, <laughs> that he uses to dismember people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he probably doesn't have great intentions when you get down to the core of it. Yes, and there's more stuff to that. You should really just finish that movie. Yeah. I, I just think when you make the, the kick-ass um, Ichi the Killer connection... It is just so illuminating to the approaches of these these concepts in our society between, you know, Japan and America. Mm -hmm. Only boiling it down to those two because of the supposed subject matter of this <laughs> podcast. There's lots of comparisons we can make in a lot of different countries. You know, Japan and America are far from the only country to make movies about vigilantes. I mean, let's let's hold on. Let's be honest. Like. They're the only important ones. <laughs> it's the only thing we've ever cared about. Uh, the rest yeah. of the world, I couldn't even. I couldn't even tell you one other country. It's impossible for there's me. There's only two: me and Japan. Yeah, it's it's me and Japan. I think there's an America above us and below us. Somebody told me that at some point, but I really can't be sure. <laughs> but yeah, that that's uh, a a really really interesting perspective to put on that movie. I think that's one of the things that I ne I never thought about before until this last watch, specifically because of the his homemade armor. Like immediately made me jump to it, and I was like, oh fuck, there's like something actually juicy there. Well, you know, I'd have to do some digging. I'm fairly certain that if i did even a, a minimal amount of research i could find some interview or article where mark miller says that he was 
inspired by Ichi the killer because <laughs> you think so? the visual overlap with what Ichi's armor looks like versus what the costume of the main character in Kick-Ass wears yeah. is, is too much to ignore. <laughs> Do you think Christopher Nolan watched Ichi uh, when he was doing The Dark Knight, and that's why he put those loser vigilante guys at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not wearing hockey pads. Nolan's like, oops, oh, fuck, I did the thing where vigilantes are cool. I better put, like, a little PSA in the next one to be like, hey, but but you do, you shouldn't do it. Like, you shouldn't do it. Uh, uh, just like we should do now, we should put our PSA. We are, like, rabidly anti-vigilante. We think you should just let crimes happen if you see them. Honestly, like, don't get involved. Always care about yourself more than others. Listen, if you see a crime, no, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't see that shit. Turn around and walk away, son. Like, for real. It's Road Warriors rules, man. Just walk away. If you see me out there across the fucking street, dog, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Do you want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Well, Nate uh, already revealed that he essentially skimped on his actual anime duties. I mean, uh, he managed to uh, spend 45 minutes uh, this week putting in the time. I applaud him for that. At least it wasn't okay, zero. Hold on. No, 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 no. Hold on. I said I watched half the movie. That, If you don't remember, Ichi the Killer is two and a half hours long. So I watched easily uh, uh, like an actual like uh, short movie. Of it so far. All right, all right, whatever. You know those One Piece episodes were like an hour and seven minutes. It's fucking ridiculous. I did watch all of those. Yeah. So uh, I guess those were easier to swallow. <laughs> they move at a faster pace. Yeah. That's definitely true. Uh, less disembowelings for sure. And and I have been I have been reading the anime. Just uh, I don't. I've been reading Jujutsu Kaisen to try and catch up with the with the actual anime, which fucking kicks ass, and I love every scene of it that I see so far. Ah, so uh, the yeah. big the big moment dropped, and now you're rushing back to catch up on the manga because you're like, damn, what the fuck just happened? I gotta know what well, happens next. I'm desperate. I mean, it got me the same way Chainsaw Man did. I'm doing the same thing. So here I am. Mappa, Studio Mappa, you got me again. You fucking boomed me. Yep, so, you'll be uh, yeah. uh, you'll be reading Dandadan next pretty soon here. Uh probably. Uh, if if some of the if some of the rumblings are true about the anime announcement, we'll see. Oh, we'll is see. Mappa gonna do an adaptation of Dandadan? I don't know. I don't know if Mappa's gonna do it. Dandadan is so extremely popular right now that maybe that maybe it has the cultural clout to pull it off, but uh Dandadan is something I've been reading for a long time and it is absolutely fucking anime worthy. Like, no doubt in my mind it would be popular from day one. Oh, man. This is my chance to get in on something before the anime makes it cool. I know. I keep telling you to get in here, but, like, you're always lagging behind. 
But my point being, you know, you've got this stuff under your belt, but not much else. So I figured, you know what? Why don't you dig back into my manga backlog bag and uh, ask me about a couple of the things I've been reading? Because I still have plenty to talk about. I would love that because there's actually some ones on here that are burning a hole in my brain. I want to know more about them. Yeah, hit me. All right. Tell me about... uh, Maronovich. Myrunovich? Myrunovich? I really have no idea because it's clearly, it's a play on, it's Maidu is her name, but Mm -hmm. then they threw this like Russian suffix on here for some reason. I really... Are you trying to say that the story has nothing to do with with Russians? Are there any famous like Myrunoviches that you can think of? I can't think Uh, of any. I cannot think of a single one, no. Uh, (laughs) Myrunovich is really interesting. Myrinovich is a funny rom-com. All right. It's a little bit older. Myrinovich by Sato Zakuri. God, I... It just feels so bad coming out of my mouth every time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Myrinovich is really fun. It starts off with a girl who incessantly talks about how ugly she is and how unpopular she is and how much of a shitty life she's going to have. She's certain her life is going to be shitty because she's ugly in high school, right? That's kind of where sure. she's coming from. And it's really it's really tragic because obviously she's just a normal girl. Like, she's drawn that way. It's not like it's accented that she's, like, hideous or whatever. She's clearly just a normal girl with a bad haircut. So she's basically resigning herself to this this awful life when she bumps so into... So what, what you're describing to me is, like, she's, like, like, 80s, like, high school movie ugly. Like, does she wear glasses and a ponytail? Yeah, essentially. No, no ponytail. She has the thing where she just has, like, the the straight, long cut with, like, the ugly straight bangs thing going on. Okay, That's kind of sure. the default. I shouldn't uh-huh. say ugly. It looks good on some people. I don't know. Uh, bangs are hard. Bangs are hard to pull off. Does she, does she take her glasses off and suddenly she's hot? Well, no, somebody does it to her. Check this shit out, right? So she's like wandering <laughs> around being like, I'm ugly. I look like a mushroom. I'm ugly. And uh, she happens to just bump into the school's super hot idol boy, right? Uh-huh. Every school has one. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry that like you had to interact with me because I'm so ugly. And he's like, that's stupid. Why would you say that? That's like fucking... Why would you? That's so dumb to say about yourself. And she's like, Why I'm sorry. Why is it always like the uh, like the hot rich kid that is like, <laughs> yeah, I don't care about social class. He's not rich. He's not rich. Oh, he okay. is dirt fucking poor. In fact, I think he's homeless at the start of the story, but nobody knows that. But he is super hot and aloof in that way that makes him like extremely mysterious and sexy, right? So he's super popular okay. in school, and she's way overwhelmed, so she can't even answer him. But eventually. This really has an impact on her, and she's like, I really want to try. I really want to try to be hot one day. So she goes, she has a next-door neighbor who is uh, a trans woman and spends a lot of her time doing makeup and and, uh, fashion and fashion accessories, right? Uh Uh-huh. So she begs this friend of hers to, like, give me a makeover. And so she gets the whole 80s makeover thing, and she goes to school the next day, and people are like, fucking, like, cartoon coyote eyes popping out tongue lolling on the ground for her like she's like got him with a fucking vice grip (laughs) 
She's like dunking on these dudes that like treated her like shit before. She's Do they have steam coming out of their ears? Basically. I mean, she is like smoking now. That's what the, the manga implies. And then through some, you know, regular manga contrivances, she ends up bumping into the hot boy again. Because uh, I think he's eating lunch alone. You know, that way that you always make friends with hot people is they're eating lunch alone and you just happen to like sit down. Oh, yeah. That's why I always ate lunch alone because I was too hot. <laughs> you were too scared to eat lunch alone. You know, you were hiding in the pack. You didn't want to get picked out. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to be the weak lamb at the end. Uh, but uh, she she sits down with him and he's basically is like, I can tell you you're not keeping your makeup up. Like, you don't actually know how to do this, do you? Because, like, you haven't touched up at all today. And she's like, what? And he's like, here. Imagine the insult. I would be absolutely devastated if I was in that situation. Well, like I said, she already has very low self-esteem, right? So she's used to kind of, like, dealing with this from (laughs) internally. I think externally is maybe a little more difficult, but it's not, like, a bridge too far. So she kind of just takes it. But he whips out his fucking magical makeup bag and, like, uh-huh. redoes all her makeup and touches up her hair. And she looks, like, fucking hot again. And she's like, I cannot believe this just happened. The hottest, awesomest guy in school just, like, redid my makeup during lunch. This is so fucking like the, um Like the scene in Zoolander where he, where he fixes her, her hair. Yes. Yeah, it's drying out her forehead. So he gives her bangs. Yeah. Yes, God damn! I I'm just imagining that where it's like off screen, it's doing the swishing sounds, where he's <laughs> adjusting everything. Basically, yeah. I mean, that's what happens. And so through this, they develop sort of like a twisted relationship, where she's like she becomes more and more reliant on him doing her makeup, so that she can pretend to have this like sexy girl life that she's trying to maintain mm-hmm. um, but she constantly feels like a fraud because she can't actually do the makeup job herself she never really like figured it out so she's kind of slowly learning but in the meantime she's like trying to date boys and she's so afraid that if they see her without makeup they won't like her which really i mean it really breaks my heart because i i did <laughs> i knew girls who totally believe that like 100%. <laughs> and it was, it's really sad. It's really sad that so, people actually. You said, did you like it? Yeah, you I like it a one? lot. I like it a lot. One, because. I like, would be interested then to hear your thoughts on comparing it to something like, you know, Sono Bisque Doll that we talked about. Uh, because I feel like there's a lot of similar overlap in theme there, uh, especially with with the the boy being good at makeup kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I read a, a you know, probably like the first 20 chapters of Sono Biscuit all. And it has a very Mm -hmm. different energy when it approaches these characters. Uh, This one is definitely more about like being alive in, in certain social context. She gets into a very intense relationship with a boy very early on. It kicks off a lot of drama that's related to like her being in her first relationship and dealing with like love for the first time when like, mm-hmm. you know, a month ago she literally thought of herself as like unfuckable, undateable, basically screwed for life, you know? Uh, so she's, there's lots of fucking emotional uh, shit happening here. And like the dude gets jealous that she's hanging out with the boy who does her makeup and there's like drama there, you know, it gets very intense. I think of it. I mean, never trust a boy that can do makeup. He will steal her. <laughs> Yo, if you're a boy, you should learn how to do makeup. Like 
dead fucking serious. Learn that shit. Girls will love you. They will love you. It's true. I'm not even joking right now. Anyway, it's very good. <laughs> I, I really, really like it. I think it is a sweet, funny rom-com that uh, attempts something interesting and follows through with its punches, which I really like. Not all of them do that. That's a big recommend. Mayunovich by Sato Zachary. Good shit. Like it a lot. All right. Putting it on the list. Uh, then moving on, tell me about uh, DreamWorks, How to Train Your Devil. <laughs> I I haven't read a lot of this one because um, uh, the first chapter was a bumpy ride. The, the scantily clad female hero returns from the adventure to defeat the Dark One. All right, all right. But I'm into it so far. She's immediately arrested and put on trial. Oh no! Because she refuses to kill the dark one. Oh, that's nice. Uh, can you can you guess why? Uh, why? I don't think I can. You can't even come up with a reason because the dark one is a baby. It's little baby Hitler. Oh! And she can't kill a baby. She's a hero. You're not allowed to do okay, that. Okay, hold shit. on. Uh, okay, let me let me ask you this. Uh, <laughs> Which would be easier? Uh, <laughs> could you kill a baby Hitler if he didn't have a Hitler mustache? Personally, I think I would have a hard time killing a baby. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that in every time that question has been asked to me, like if you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler, uh, I always envision the baby Hitler with the mustache. You always see the mustache. Yeah. That is some subtle brain work in the background there, like processing stuff to make the idea of killing a baby less odious. By attaching cultural well, that's what I'm saying is I don't think that I could kill a little you. haircut sweep. I don't think I could kill Hitler if he just looked like a regular baby. <laughs> I don't think I could kill a baby. Honestly, I don't know if I could kill a baby. I think I, I if I could, I wouldn't admit it here. Just, just say it. Uh, she can't either. And so she's brought up on trial. They bring the devil. Well, baby. I'm, I bring it up because I'm assuming that this baby doesn't have a Hitler mustache. It doesn't, but it does have like horns and it does have, I guess, I think red skin or whatever, you know, the, the classic markings of a devil baby. Okay. I mean, coming hot off Baldur's Gate three, that means nothing to me. Yeah. The problem being that, uh, the baby actually has like a pretty advanced level of intelligence and it's also a, a horrible pervert baby. Uh, so hmm. killing him becomes much more attractive as the chapters go on. Okay. Basically, the first thing they do out the gate is tell the female hero that she has to raise the perverted baby. And she needs to make it do a hundred good deeds before she's freed from this task. <laughs> Okay, we got an Eddie McDowd situation going exactly, on. Exactly, exactly. Now, to prevent the baby from getting too perverted, uh, they want to maintain just enough perversion to keep the comic going, but like not enough to make the baby killing seem like palatable. They attach a headgear device, sort of a saw-like device to his head that continually contracts whenever the baby is doing any perverted shit. Okay. To the point where if, if the baby is doing like mondo pervert shit it will squeeze his brain out so i see yeah so the death ba killing a baby is like intrinsically tied with it being like unimaginably horny so really we're already dealing with some very complex moral themes 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think that it kind of breaks even when you put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, perverted babies were kind of a fun novelty during the like Who Framed Roger Rabbit days. But these days, I'm well, just that's, not. Well, that's that's where my mind it. instantly went. But the other one that I was thinking of is, did you watch any of Mashoku Tensei? I don't know. I did not. That is another isekai where, you know, the beginning of the series is uh, a dude with, you know, a loser from our world gets uh, reborn as a baby with with his 30-year-old pervert brain. Oh, yeah. Uh, No, yeah, yeah. Of course. This is also yeah. that vampire one I told you about. He get he gets yeah, born yeah, as a baby yeah. twice. Twice. There's also yeah, twice. That... He dies, becomes a baby. Uh, he dies again, becomes a baby again. Double babyfication. It really makes me sad that uh, that we haven't gotten that infinite isekai idea off the ground yet. <laughs> hey, I've written a bunch of that. <laughs> Publish. I have I have a bunch of it on deck i just need to like write the second half <laughs> okay nice little teaser version so yeah i mean like how did you feel about that part in roger rabbit where that that baby fingers that chick uh okay well <laughs> let's go there <laughs> okay first of all that baby in roger rabbit isn't actually a baby because the joke is that you know he talks with a with a gruff uh, working man's accent, you know, a Brooklyn accent when he's offset. Yeah, that's right? kind of the joke about how to train your devil, too, though, is like the baby's kind of a guy. He's already like a dude. Okay. He's just in the form of a baby. That's why he's like horny and shit. Well, in, e- in either case, it's weird. It's pretty weird. Yeah. It's pretty weird. Yeah, it, it, it's a little weird. It's a little bit more palatable in Roger Rabbit when, you know, it's a joke for four minutes out of like a two-hour movie <laughs> a little bit yeah you know uh in in that vein asobe asobase has a quick like joke sequence about this thing too but what makes it fun in that is that the girls are kind of like the comic is about how these girls are like maturing and being extremely awkward about like you know becoming adults and, and mm-hmm. all the things that that entail including the sexual things and so this baby, uh, they constantly try to interpret like the stupid random shit this baby is doing. And they keep thinking that the baby is like a lecherous old man trapped in a baby's body. Uh, so a lot of the similar jokes here, but the joke being that it's about the girl's perception of the baby, not necessarily what the baby is doing, which is a much smarter uh, I'm, take. I'm on, assuming on uh, that it's it's just a baby, right? Yeah, it's just like a person's baby. Okay, well, yeah, in that in that sense, then the, it becomes more about them projecting. Yeah, uh, it's, onto... it's, the, it's the girls ascribing this pervert shit onto the baby, which is very funny. I, I really like that. Asube Asubase yeah. uh, rules. It kicks ass. Go watch that shit. That's the one about just hanging out, right? Yeah, that's the girls who don't want to join any clubs, so they just make a, like, fucking around after school club. It's just the hanging out club. That's yeah. the kind of club that I'm in. Yeah. It's very good. I really like Asabe Asabase. Much, much more this, than How to Train Your Devil. I feel like uh, How to Train Your Devil might be... It wasn't an instant drop, but it feels like it's on its last legs. Well, that's too bad. All right, let's uh, get one more in here. Why don't you tell me about uh, Raw Hero? Oh, what can you tell no. me about Raw Hero? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, oh no. I feel like I've touched a vein oh, here. Oh no. Uh okay, this is a difficult one. 
Raw Hero, I started reading uh, because how much I liked uh, Futari Switch. We talked about that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe we did. Raw Hero by Hiramoto Akira, who is uh, the person who did Prison School and Futari Switch uh, and the radically different uh, Me and the Devil Blues. Uh, is someone which is also further down on this list. Yes, is someone that whose art I I like really, really appreciate. I think they are like extraordinarily talented artists. They're also very funny. I think they have an incredible sense for visual gags. They're also extremely horny. Prison School is one of the horniest anime ever made, and I could not even last through. A single episode because of how horny it is it made me like deeply uncomfortable <laughs> uh you know on a on a scale of one to ten you know uh how would you compare it to something like i don't know uh high school of the dead which i would put at the 10 end of the scale high school of the dead as a 10 uh yeah. i would put it at a 10 yeah wow okay. maybe an 11 well we're talking about s grade horny here yeah yes as I do not like prison school. I really like Futari Switch, which is the current one. And so it made me a little bit... It did that thing where I went and looked up the artist's uh, other works, which sometimes pays off, sometimes uh, uh, horrifies me. And this is sort of like in the middle of those two things. Raw Hero is a, a previous work of Hiramoto Akira. It is about a, 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 a jobless elder brother he has two younger brothers uh, their parents are dead so he's out looking for a job to support them uh, they're on the brink of poverty basically next to homeless and he goes to take uh, at the end of his rope he's like this needs this I need to get this job uh, he goes uh, to the job interview but on the train he sees like a creepy old dude like fingering a chick and he's like a groper. Oh fuck! I need I, if I do something about this, I'm definitely gonna lose this job interview. But how can my conscience live with like not stopping this? So he he stops it. Okay, good. That's a point for him. Yes, he loses his interview, uh, but he discovers that actual it was a couple doing weird like public fetish shit. Uh, not so not a groper. The guy feels well. Okay, that's not on him though. No, it's not on him at all. And the guy feels so bad. That he goes, hey, I'll give you a job. How about that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Come to like, you know, come to this address or whatever later. He goes to it. He finds out that the guy is uh, working in a covert uh, government operation to track down uh, terrorist cells in in Tokyo or wherever they're living. He goes like, well, I'm not really interested in doing that, but I am literally almost homeless. So uh, I guess I'll 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 try it out. I feel like that's not a great recruiting method for for a government agency. No, probably not. Then again, you know, the way the FBI does it right now is probably not that much better. <laughs> uh, so he goes to his first gig and he's been told that he'll find a, a dead drop in the bathroom of the first gig. And you put on your costume and assume your identity. You're going to do some infiltration work. So he puts on the costume, which turns out to be... Uh, like a, a sexy idol costume. Uh, he's 
never cross-dressed before, so he's dis he's really, really uncomfortable here. Well, I mean, there's a lot of factors that the average guy just doesn't consider. <laughs> yeah, this there's a lot of things going on, and he's really, really uh, scared of everything going on right now. He's not sure that he can pass as a woman uh, successfully enough to land this covert gig, but he manages to do it. He meets with uh, the supposed terrorists, and they ask fewer questions than you think a terrorist cell would, and he gets in. Uh, almost immediately afterwards, we learned that, in fact, the government uh, agent had delivered the wrong suitcase. <laughs> uh, there was no need to cross-dress. Uh, it was literally just a simple mistake, but now he's locked in. So our main character has to assume the, the identity of a female pop idol, ex-pop idol, uh, now terrorist, to work their way into the terrorist organization and stop all terrorist activity. So uh, kind of a good cover for your your personal uh, identity, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, deeply uncomfortable to our, our main character who uh, doesn't even know about tape. Oh, no, you gotta, you gotta know about tape. Yeah, you gotta know about tape. Anyway, uh, this is extremely horny, maybe on a seven or eight compared to our, our previous scale, I would say. Still uh, really rides the rides the line on ex uh, like this is too horny for me to read level but again this artist is genuinely like very very talented and good at composition great at paneling like th there are great gags in here uh the characters i mean that goes a long way i'm, I'm I, i'm very lenient when when actual uh, craft goes in uh, goes into it in addition to any uh, any titillation. Sure, right? sure. I have to say though, uh, the way some of the scenes are drawn, it literally looks like two pussies are talking to each other. There's like that many upskirt shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how else to frame it. That's literally what it looks like sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. Depending on on. Uh, where you're viewing it from that could be seen as a very funny joke to me I, I mean it's it's ambiguous it really is ambiguous anyway like uh, the futari switch i really really like like almost with no caveats it's definitely the horniness has been toned down a lot for that one so the mm -hmm. the amount of horny in this really caught me off guard because at the time i didn't know about the prison school connection but the, again, this is just one of those things where, like, I really don't know if I could actually recommend somebody. This is the classic anime thing where I don't know. It, like, I think I would probably be embarrassed if some, like, regular-ass person just went and read this on my recommendation. Every recommendation, you have to weigh how much you think the other person would enjoy it versus how much respect uh, they would lose for you <laughs> if they for, discover for knowing that you read this yes. or watched this <laughs> knowing that knowing that this exists in the world and is a thing yeah yeah uh i i i it really yeah. rides the line i think if anybody was interested i would say read futari switch instead i think it's both funnier and uh easier to swallow when it comes to the egregious horniness that being said i like i like raw hero i think it's pretty funny when it's you know, not the doing the horrible thing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, you know, regardless, Hiramoto Akira uh, is an exceptional manga uh, artist. 
like I wish there was something a little more mainstream or something like that that uh, like caught on or was easier to show to people because they are fucking incredible, like t- very, very talented. You know, I- I've been meaning to talk. We like one time we should do a segment where we talk about the best looking manga. I would love that because I've been uh, I've been, you know, putting together a list of my favorite art styles on the back burner here. Okay, okay. See, that might be a good thing to combine because honestly, I've been looking over some stuff and like, you know, I, I'm I've said before, I, I am perfectly tolerant of like art styles I'm not, you know, enamored with. I can definitely read a comic that I might consider ugly-ish. But I do have a handful of people who uh, work now or recently who I think are, like, staggeringly talented. Like, extraordinary work. Uh-huh. Like, that level of artistry. Okay. Uh, that I find just incredible. And I want... there. I don't know if I have an organic way to, like, shout those people out. So, at some point, let's do that so I can get some names out here. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, with that said... Well, uh, next time, let's talk about another anime adaptation. We can get at least one more under our belt, right? I have a couple more uh-huh. I'd like to watch. Uh, I'm not going to Here's be... actually... I, I was going to bring that up. Here's my plan for next episode. I'm yeah. going to watch... I know we already talked about the Devilman adaptation. I would like to watch Devilman Crybaby. Well, you should. Because that is... I've seen on a lot of lists absolutely should uh and then i will also make it a point of business to watch takashi Miike's adaptation of of the jojo you need to at least watch the jojo one or ideally the jojo one and sword of the immortal at least those all right because they're fantastic all right takashi Miike, you're the goat like absolutely killing it my man Shout out to Takashi Mike. Shout out to Takashi Mike, the most dangerous Mike in the world. Big ups to you. Let's go out on that. All right. Big ups to Takashi. Anime Death Spiral. We're fucking out. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Peace. Bye. Bye. Have you ever listened to one of these like all the way to the end?